Andrea Arnold hasn't looked back since winning an Oscar for her short film Wasp in 2005. Her subsequent output has rarely failed to impress with Red Road, Fish Tank and American Honey all bagging the jury prize at Cannes. American Honey is her latest offering, a road trip following a mag crew as they party their way across the American Midwest, selling magazine subscriptions door to door. It's a business opportunity. We go door to door, we sell magazines. We explore like America, we party. Come with us. A truly mesmerizing cinematic experience. American Honey is all the more remarkable for the fact that most of the actors were untrained, including Sasha Lane and Veronica Ezzo, who we'll hear more about in a moment. I'm Edith Bowman, and you're listening to Soundtracking, a weekly podcast in which major figures from the world of film and television join me to discuss the music in their work. Rather like one of our previous guests, Richard Linklater, Andrea prefers source cues to score and has yet to employ a composer for any of her feature films. But that's not to say she doesn't take music seriously. American Honey has a rich and varied soundtrack with all the songs played as part of the narrative through car stereos, ghetto blasters and PA systems. Hip-hop is the sonic heartbeat of the movie, with the subgenre of trap especially prevalent. Originating in Atlanta in the 1990s, trap music is dark, aggressive and lyrically challenging, but very much reflects the listening tastes of the real-life mag crew Andrea spent time with, not to mention her young cast. You'll hear plenty of uncensored examples from the soundtrack during the course of our conversation, kicking off with the brooding strains of Bricks by Carnage and Migos. Andrew, congratulations on this new film. We'll, we'll describe it in a second, but I feel like I was on that journey with them. You feel like you're in that van with them. But can we talk about the music for the film? Because it's such an important part and there's a lot of it, but used in very clever and different ways, I think. When did music come into the equation for this particular project for you? And was it always the idea that it would play such a big part in this film? Music is massively important to me generally in my films. And it's always there at the very beginning when I'm writing. So I quite often will make myself like a playlist for the film even when I'm writing and that evolves over time and changes you know quite a lot by the time you get out to actually filming Sometimes I will even put music together before I start writing that feels in the spirit of what I'm trying to do, that kind of makes me feel in the place to write. I'm starting to write something new now and I will start, I will make a playlist for it, you know, even before I start writing, just bits and pieces and then I will add to it as I go along. So it's always there from the beginning and it changes and evolves as the film does too. So um, music was always like going to be a big part of this because I went out with a mag crew uh, a few years ago and they just played music all the time. In fact, I think there was more music in this film at the beginning and it was wall-to-wall music and it was too much. <laughs> and I'm also always having to fight for music in my films because it's so expensive. And on this one, I was so determined from the beginning. Great, great, great. 
It doesn't feel like there's too much music oh, really? at all because it plays an important there's part. There's something like 26 tracks or wow. something. Yeah, there's really a lot. For example, when there's music played in the van, so these kids are driving around the States, they're selling magazines and they're having a whale of a time. And this music is a character within the van with them, whether it's each one picking a track or there's a bit of a sing song going on. And it really rotates around hip hop and country. Well, hip hop is very true to the mag crew. I mean, a lot of the hip hop in the film comes from what they were actually playing. Gotta know I hate it. She's so sweet now and later. I want that all the time, all the time. I mean, you all of mine when it's. did the road trip together and we I always wanted it to be a, a real adventure for everyone so I didn't want people flying in or flying out or anything like that so we all met at the very beginning and we were all together for about two weeks in a little motel in Muskogee in Oklahoma. Nope. Yep. And so there was a lot of car park nope. partying and uh, <laughs> there really was. I mean we had the best car park parties. Nope. Some of the songs that were in the film were some of the songs yep. that they were playing a lot. Choices, the nope. 40 song was very much part yep. of our lives at that time and it really sums nope. up exactly what they were playing. Yep. Everybody got choices. I choose to get money, I'm stuck to this bread. Everybody got choices. These bitches is choosing, I'm all in their head. Everybody got choices. Keep it one thou I'd like that I chows. Everybody got choices. These niggas be hating, I already know, but I never go broke. No, no, no. I'ma stay getting money. Yeah, yeah. And I ain't gotta sell my soul. No, no, no. I'ma stay getting money. And then there's a couple of moments where you get a real softer side to characters from some of the tracks that are played within that van as well. You know, there's one karaoke moment with them all singing along to a country song. That's American Honey. That's a theme, That's isn't a theme. it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it really shows a real softer side to it. And, yeah. and obviously it's, it's the title of the film as well. So what came first? The title came from the song, actually. I, in order to make a connection with America, I did loads of road trips by myself before I made this film. I spent a great deal of time by myself traveling across the South and Midwest, and music was my companion, really. She grew up on the side of the road Where the church bells ring And strong love grows She grew up good She grew up slow like American honey. And I don't know why I kept hearing it, but that song just became part of my journey. 
And when I was casting down in Panama and I met Veronica, she knew that song and she, I think it was number one in America at one point. And I loved that she knew this song and she, she used to sing quite a lot when we were traveling around together. And um, I can't remember when I decided that I would have her sing it in the film. I thought it would be a really beautiful thing. For me, she was like the contemporary American Honey because the song has got a very nostalgic film. I think the video is even this idea of old America. It's got that kind of feeling to it. And Veronica is very much new America. And I love the idea of her singing this song that had this sort of nostalgic feel for the film. Actually, what happened on the day that we did it is that she lost her voice and she couldn't really sing it because I wanted her to sing it acoustically yeah. without any track playing. And she lost her voice on that day and we kept trying to sing it but she was losing her voice more and more and it just wasn't easy for her. And then something sort of amazing happened because all the others in the crew knew the song as well and they started helping her. And it was so fantastic. I just let that happen. The music seems to say a lot about the location as well. Going back to that thing I was talking about, about the hip hop and it being what they listen to, it's what they love, but then you get that little pulse of traditional music. Do you think about it that much in terms of what the meaning of the music is or what people might take from the meaning of the music of the film? I think about it a lot. I think about it a huge amount. I really try and get the music right for the scene and, and I try and make it work in a couple of ways because not only do I want it to work truthfully for whoever's playing it or what the scene is or where the music might be coming from and make it truthful to that character, but I also want it to work as a, a score. So it has to emotionally work as well. Well, my name's John Lee Pettimore Same as my daddy and his daddy before you hardly ever saw granddaddy down here They only come a town about twice a year You buy a hundred pounds of yeast and a copper line Everybody knew that it made me shine I'm a revenue man on a granddaddy bed Head left a holler of everything had For my time, but I've been told you never come back from Copperhead Road trying to figure out the right track for that moment and that can be quite tricky. 
whenever I find locations or I find the characters, I'll ask them what they're listening to or I'll listen to where we are and what's being played. So I try and get it truthful to where we are and what's going on. So there's nothing to hide and there is nothing to change. Just look into my eyes and there's no stuff to You say there's nothing to hide and there is nothing to change. Just look into my eyes. Because I'm often casting non-actors, so um, you know, if I say to them, what, "What would you be listening to here?" They usually tell me something that is really truthful to them, and so it works for the film too. Yeah. And you get some great music recommendations as well <laughs> from people as well. Some of it in the films, things that I started with and have emotional resonance for me, and some of it came from when we were filming, and it evolved. That Rory track. I, I remember that. the very first time I heard that. I love it's that track. So I great. found that on the internet when I, I think I was looking for things. That's before I even went to America. Actually, I found that track. I didn't decide to use it till a lot later, but I found it early on, and it had such a powerful feeling for such a young bloke to make. Yes, he's 19 or something, crazy, isn't he? Isn't yeah. 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 about clearing Rihanna and, and Calvin we found love which is probably one of the most the <laughs> biggest pop songs ever in the history yes. of the world <laughs> yeah I can't quite believe we got it hi Calvin it's one of those kind of things uh, I wrote dear Rihanna did you I wrote Rihanna a letter brilliant yes I tried to describe to her the film and what I was trying to do and why it mattered to me and why the song mattered to me and we got a yes, so good on Rihanna. Come on, girl. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's really a song of its time as well. It really places you in time mm. and it's one of those songs that will never go, you know, will always be there. It's one of those songs that will always be with us and remind you of a certain time and I felt that was really important for the film. I 
try here at the drop. All I really do want to do is get on the cash register and dance yeah. like the characters. Yeah, the there was supposed to be. I did have it that one of the things they did to amuse themselves was when that song came on, they were to get out and hit the drop no matter where they were. But they didn't buy that. I think we had a Rihanna dance lesson where I was trying to get them to do something and they well, were all dancer, rebelling. So, you know, you're, you yeah. showed them some moves. They, re they rebelled heavily against <laughs> having to do anything organised. I remember that dance lesson very well. <laughs> The cast's amazing, it really is, and using a lot of non-actors. The line between the two is very blurred. The actress who plays Star, wow. Where did you find her? On a beach in Panama, in Florida. We had somebody else cast that didn't work out and about two weeks before we went into production and so we had to do something quite drastic. So mm. I got on a plane and went to Panama and it was spring break. It's quite a good time to look for cast because there's so many people out and everybody's on the beach dancing and mm. everyone's on the street. And you can just basically hang out in a Walmart car park and just watch people watch. We bought like um, those sort of deck chairs and sort of sat outside the, the, um, <laughs> the entrance to Walmart and just just heaving with people. And everybody, you know, playing music and twerking in the car park. It was quite, it was really rocking that car park. I like to make the money get time. I like to make the money get time. Got the girl twerking like the way. I like the... Got the white girls twerking like the work. I got the, I got a, I got a, I got a, I got the, I like to make money get turned. I like to make money and get turned. I like to make money get turned. Got the white girls twerking like the work. But we found Sasha on a beach. She was there for spring break with her friends and she just stood out mm. on the beach and uh, we chased after her and auditioned her in a hotel foyer later that night with her mates. And she seemed like she could do it. And then we auditioned her again the next day with one of the crew that we'd already cast called Veronica, who lived in Panama. And she just did so well and that was it really. You can't take your eyes off her. Yes, the camera loves her. Yeah. What was it that made you, from doing all these road trips, deciding on these types of characters and this story to focus in on for this film? Somebody showed me an article from the New York Times about them and my crew. Bouncing, bouncing, bouncing. I'm about to throw a couple thousand. Bouncing, bouncing, bouncing. I'm about to throw a couple thousand. I was kind of fascinated with the whole sort of culture of these kids who were going around America, uh, anything from 15 up to sort of, you know, in their late 20s, and going door to door selling magazines and reading about their world. I think the thing that I that stuck with me was the fact that there a lot of these kids come from quite broken families and broken backgrounds, and they formed this kind of family on the road together, and that just seemed very beautiful. And that was the thing that I think I was attracted to. 
Did you use a composer at all in this film? Or no. Mm. First two shorts I used composers and then I decided I wanted to use your music. Was that because, I don't know, you just feel that contemporary music can tell a better story for you? I make my own little rules about how I make my films, I guess. Yeah. And I decided that I wanted to only use music when it was in a scene or when it was being played for real. And that's become one of my own rules, if you like. It doesn't mean to say I might not break it. You know, I might break it next time. I might break that rule. But um, so far, no composer in all my features. I mean, I'm always trusting my instinct and I kind of try and go by whatever I feel at the time. But um, Wuthering, which I made, I think it has got people singing, but it's got no score. It's just got, I always thought the wind could be the score in that because the wind makes such amazing sounds. And there's, there's a lot of amazing sound around you all the time. And I quite like listening. Like in Red Road, I remember the, the, the elevator made this incredible sort of squeaking, sort of slightly strange squeaking sound and it used to be different each time. And that to me was almost like music. So I feel like there is lots of ways of using sound um, and music in a film. And um, sometimes it's good to have absolutely none. Will you forget me? I could no more forget you than myself. That was what I'd written down about my thoughts on weathering was the elements and nature as the yeah. soundtrack. You feel like you're in that environment then it kind of takes you there, yeah. which is really, really powerful. Yeah, some people said they felt cold watching that film. I thought, well, yeah, it was cold. Yeah, exactly. It was interesting they actually felt cold. Yeah, there you go, you've done your job. That's yeah. exactly yeah, Mumford to write a song specifically for yeah. it. What did you give them? What did you ask of them? They came and saw the film and then we discussed afterwards. I've got a lot of stick for putting a song at the end of Wuthering actually because it was so pure before that and there was absolutely nothing. Some people thought it was strange to put a song there but at the time it felt right so I went with it. I did actually put a Morrissey song there, you know, Unlovable. That worked pretty good too at the beginning. <laughs> That's Heathcliff's theme tune, Unlovable. Stephen wishes he was Heathcliff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but there was something of a western about Wuthering and Mumford's have a sort of western feel and it felt right at the time. Give me hope in silence It's easier, it's kinder Tell me not of heartbreak It plagues my soul, it plagues my soul And bury me beside you I have no hope in solitude and the world will follow to the earth down below. But I came and I was nothing. And time will give us nothing. Have you always appreciated the power of that music's had in film? Are there films for you that you remember seeing as a film fan that you really admired hmm. how the music was used in it? I mean, what comes to mind is the David Lynch films. He uses music in a really interesting way, I think. He'll use real music and, and also a score. And he loves his music, I think. You can tell he does. He's obviously got a real passion for it. And I think you can feel that in his films. I remember Wild at Heart, the music was very strong.
He's another one as well who really encourages that sound. You know, it's not just the music, it's the soundscape. Yeah, he I creates guess. atmosphere with yeah. his, his sound and music, doesn't he? He does. It's supposed to be 50% of what you receive the sound when you watch a film. So I think there's much more going on with it than, than you realise and that you can, it can be, you know, it's got potential to be really powerful. I'm always aware of it. I'm always trying to push it and try things, you know, with what I do with the sound and with the music. I do think I put perhaps too many songs in this one. You haven't. You haven't. You <laughs> really haven't. You say that. Because I listened to the soundtrack <laughs> as a compilation album and I could see every scene. Yeah. That those tracks were that's used interesting. in. That's interesting. You know, <laughs> it feels, it does feel like Maybe I should have put some more in then. They would have loved it. <laughs> Uber everywhere, pre-rolls in my gut. Stop by Uber everywhere, pre-rolls in my gut. And I think that bitch from Canada, I think she from the city. Yeah, by Uber everywhere, We had only Nicki Minaj at one point. We had just lots of, that, know. no. <laughs> <laughs> Not just Nicki, come on. Oh, and why, Drake, we had Drake at one point. Why Nicki Minaj? Is that just what they were listening to? <laughs> that only song they were singing. <laughs> yeah. And there was a good moment in the car where they were singing it and the wind was blowing and it was rather beautiful. Sparks in the air like the 4th of July. Nothing but bad bitches in here tonight. If you lame and you know it, be quiet. Is that hard to film? Because obviously you must be playing the music in the, yes. in the car. The sound you, people hate me. Tell me, how does it work? When you're filming those scenes in the truck. When we travelled, we travelled 12,000 miles together. Oh. Every time we got in the van, we would film them. <laughs> so I spent a lot of time in that dog compartment at the back. You know, there's a tiny bit for the suitcases at the back. I think I fell asleep at one point because I was just three hours of travelling. I don't think, that's probably not a good thing to say, is it, the director fell asleep <laughs> in the back of the van. Too much Nicki Minaj, that's what it was, yeah. to send you to sleep. <laughs> a little big Sean, I think, I remember as well. Were they given kind of free reign and what they put on then in terms of, you know, those sounds? We were always fighting because I always had songs that I had cleared that we could yeah. use and I would often try and use things that I knew they liked. Yeah. But sometimes they would just get carried away and we had a call from the back of the van that went up through the van into the stereo and they were constantly rebelling and unplugging it and putting their own music on and you'd hear me shouting at the back going, take the bloody music off!
we were always fighting about it because they got bored sometimes of the things I would put on uh, because we were playing them again and again because it was for the filming so we'd yeah. have to do it again and again and they got fed up with that and they would rebel and take that out the cord out and then the dog chewed through the cord and we <laughs> and they could never hear me at the front so I was always having to yell across the front it was pretty chaotic to be honest <laughs> and the result of it's amazing it's a real honour to chat to you thank, thank you. you so nice much I can't you wait too. to be playing all this music it's not too much Nicki Minaj <laughs> Andre, thank you so much. Okay, Cheers. Thank you. Bye. All right, now here's a little song I want everybody to listen to. It's talking about love and it's talking about hate. You know, I think the only way we're going to do away with hate is to get so much love going around till there just won't be any more hate. There's so much hate going on today on the right and on the left. You see, we hate. our own self There's even hate going on today between the young folks and the old Can't you see all this hate is really eating up our very soul That's why I'm singing now I hate That's all American Honey, that's I Hate Hate by Razzie Bailey, running off our conversation with the delightful Andrea Arnold. My huge thanks to Andrea for taking the time to talk to us. American Honey is on general release around the globe now with the soundtrack available through Universal Music Operations. Both come highly recommended. Now, don't forget you'll find a full track list for the show via edithbowman.com where you'll also be able to listen to all of our previous episodes of Soundtracking. And do please follow us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. We're at Soundtracking UK for updates, previews and the chance to win a load of great prizes. Uh, I can't tell you how excited I am about our next guest, Mr Ron Howard, who waxes lyrical on everything from Hans Zimmer's special music room to Michael Jackson. I look forward to the pleasure of your company then.